Welcome to the audio podcast of the sermons from First Reformed Church in Edgerton, Minnesota. For more information on First Reformed, go to edgertonfrc.org or our Facebook page. I don't watch a lot of those TV shows where they repair the houses or they, or they flip them to sell them. In fact, as I was writing my sermon, I actually sent my wife a text to ask her what I should call them. And she said, well, do it yourself or house flipping. Show. I, did, I didn't even know. I don't watch that many of them. It's, it's not that I don't find them enjoyable. I, I do find them to be entertaining. But it's just not something that's really in my particular wheelhouse. But when I do particularly, or when I do partake in consuming one of these shows, I particularly like the ones where a couple is, say, looking for a new home and they want to renovate a house that, that needs some love. Now, part of the fun of those shows is, is always trying to predict which one of these houses that needs some love are they going to pick to upgrade to be their new home. Now, I'm, I'm usually pretty bad at guessing which house is going to get the money thrown at it to be a nice house, but there's usually one flaw that will guarantee that a home isn't picked for a restoration, a bad foundation. That only, not only costs a lot to fix, but if you don't take care of it, any improvements that you make above that foundation can be negated by that continuing decline of what the house sits upon. You know, you know you need a good foundation. And this applies not only to a home that you're looking to purchase. In basketball, your, your jump shot is going to be a lot better if you properly get your feet under you before you shoot. In football, the linebacker most likely to get run over by an offensive player, whether it's someone carrying the ball or a lineman, is the one whose feet aren't right. If you're swinging the bat while stepping out of the batter's box, chances are, you're not going to hit the ball. And if you do, you're not going to hit it very hard, and you probably won't hit it fair. And you aren't going to excel in mathematics if you don't understand the basics of addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division. In pretty much anything, you need to have a good foundation. You need to have a good base. In fact, if we go to God's Word. If we look at Psalm 11, verse 3, we read a statement. It says there, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? We understand that we need a good base, a good foundation, if we want to thrive. And as we finish up the sermon on the plain this morning, we see that Jesus wants his servants to be sure to stand strong. And if we're going to stand firm in him, we must be built upon him, our rock. And so we land here at these final seven verses of Luke chapter 6, and we see more clear teachings from Jesus. While it's clear, once again, we understand what he's saying, these are the sayings of Jesus that are actually hard to live out in our daily lives. And so you and I do well to hear the words of Jesus this morning and strive to obey them as we live in his serv- as his servants in the world. 
So this morning, we're just going to go with the two main points that naturally flow out of the text today. The first point is that we're going to look and see that we are to bear good fruit. We are to desire to bear good fruit. As I said, the illustration that Jesus makes in this passage is once again easy to understand, but it is unbelievably convicting for us. We know from having a knowledge of God's law what God expects from us, and we desire to do those things. We desire to be that kind of person, but it often evades us. As we consider how you and I can be more faithful servants of the Lord Jesus, once again, we do well to consider what our lives look like and what the fruit that we are bearing looks like. Secondly, we see that we are to build our lives on a sure foundation. We know that this principle is most assuredly true. Beyond my house example and my sports illustrations, we could keep on coming up with examples of how important a good foundation is. We get this, but we need to do more than understand the principle. You and I need to be seeking out how, you, how we can build our foundation on the rock that is Jesus Christ. So let's dig into these two well-known teachings of Jesus this morning as we start looking at the tree and its fruit in verses 43 through 45. As I said, we don't need much help interpreting this passage, do we? You don't need me to dig into the historical context You don't need me to look at the original Greek and tell you about the words to understand what Jesus is saying here. This is straightforward. Jesus says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor nor a bad tree bear good fruit. This goes without saying. If a tree is diseased, it's highly unlikely that good fruit will come from it. There's a reason that fruit trees are pruned, right? You get rid of branches that will not produce fruit and make room for the branches that will produce fruit. That's not rocket science. Why would you keep a diseased and dying branch on a tree if it isn't going to produce fruit? You're going to cut it off. And we can take this even further. You wouldn't keep a diseased and dying tree in the middle of an orchard, would you? You wouldn't want to risk that tree hurting the trees around it that are healthy. But we're going to see that this isn't exactly the point that Jesus is driving at here. We, we see that he says that each tree is known by its fruit. But we don't call a tree that produces apples a, a boot tree, right? We don't call it an airplane. It's an apple tree because it's an apple tree. If we want to get more specific We would identify it by the type of apple that it produces. The point that Jesus is making here is seen in the fact that he draws out that a thorn bush does that that a thorn bush produces thorns and not figs. If it produced figs, it would be a fig bush. Are you with me? This isn't brain science or rocket surgery, okay? You get grapes from vines not bramble. If you want a pear, you don't plant a rose bush. You don't get oranges from a pine tree. So here's the big idea. And yes, I did get that wrong on purpose. That was a joke. I know you don't do surgery on rockets. But here's the big idea that Jesus is saying. 
You bear the fruit that is intended to come from you. And we see this in the fact that a good person produces good treasure. In other words, good people do good works. Those who are evil produce evil works, evil fruit. So what what is Jesus saying here? If we want to bear good fruit, we need to be a good tree. Now, we need to stop for a minute or two and, and, and think about what we have seen Jesus saying in the passages that we've been looking at recently. And we need to think about the tough words that you and I have been hearing over the last couple of weeks from Jesus. These are convicting words. Convicting words about hypocrisy. Convicting words about judging others, about loving your enemies. These are all things that you and I really struggle with. As I've said many times, these are things that we find to be really, really hard. So we find then that the question that confronts you and I is what kind of a tree am I? If we want to bear fruit, we need to be a tree that bears good fruit. As we, as we think about what we know about human nature, what we know about the nature of sin, we're drawn to the truth, a truth that we read in Scripture over and over. Human nature is not good. We are, by nature, depraved. We are, by nature, sinful. By nature, that's the kind of tree that you and I are. So what do we really need? Well, we need to be transformed. This is why we need to be born again. We are born trees that produce thorns. If we want to produce fruit of godliness, we need to be born again by the Spirit. Without that regeneration of our hearts by the Holy Spirit, we will not bear good fruit. Out of the person will good treasure come. Out of the good person, the good treasure comes. And as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we know that we've been brought from death to life. We know that we have been We have had the experience where our heart of stone has been made a heart of flesh. We have been born again. We've been brought from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. But in our lives, even though we are now good trees, we don't always produce the fruit that we desire to produce, do we? We do not perfectly love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We do not perfectly love our neighbor as ourselves. We do not perfectly have restraint on our tongues. And so when we hear the words of Jesus today that says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, we are rightly convicted of those times in the last few days, or even maybe in the last few hours, that you and I have exhibited bad fruit. We know in Jesus we are good trees, but the fruit doesn't always match up. So these convicting words come to our ears, and the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. I don't know about you, but being convicted of sin hurts. Hurts me. It isn't any fun. But I must tell you, brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus, this is a good thing. It's a good sign. If you're convicted of these things that you're hearing from Jesus, it is proof that the Spirit of God is at work in you. And so it's vital that we hear these words and let them be used to prune back the bad branches 
that cause fruit not to grow in our lives. Because repentance is an essential part of the Christian life. And it's so helpful that Jesus gives us this illustration of trees today. He has made us fruit trees in giving us the gift of faith, in giving us a new heart. As I said a few moments ago, there's a reason pruning is important with fruit trees. It gets rid of that which is not productive and makes room for that which is. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a good pruning by someone who really knows what they're doing. But from what I've experienced, from what I've seen, a good pruning by a professional is substantial. I've seen apple trees that look like most of their branches have been removed. And I've seen grapevines that were overflowing with vines And then the professional came in and pruned them, and there was almost nothing left. But in both cases, the trees and the vines, after that pruning, produced way beyond what they did in the previous growing season. Even though they had less branches, they produced more fruit. And so the obvious application for us here, that we should humbly pray that we will receive by the hearing of the Word and the Spirit working in us would be that God, through His Word and Spirit, would be pruning you and I. May you and I be deeply convicted of areas of sin and unbelief in our lives, and may we be led to amend our lives that we might bear good fruit like the good trees that Jesus has made us by giving us faith, that faith that trusts in him alone for salvation. And so it's with that thought, that thought of repentance, of of pruning our lives to bear better fruit, that we move on to our second point of the passage. And here we find a way in which you and I can do this by building our foundation on the rock that is the Lord Jesus. So this starts out was something very convicting again from Jesus. It it draws back to what we saw last week when Jesus had strong words about hypocrisy. And we do well to consider the flow of what Jesus is saying in this whole passage here. We've broken it up, but this is all connected. There's a connection with the hypocrisy that he addressed in what we read last week and bearing good fruit and now having a good foundation. These aren't a bunch of random abstract thoughts that Jesus is throwing together here. All these thoughts work together. And these statements here, once again, cut us pretty hard. Jesus asks why his followers call him Lord, Lord, if they aren't going to do what he tells them to do. Chances are, you've had an experience where someone spoke of you favorably, but they didn't actually listen to you. They, they thought you were great, but they didn't do what you told them. And I think the classic, classic example would be when a child tries to butter you up by telling them how much they love you, but then the parent replies with something to the effect of, well, if you loved me, you would have put away the dishes like I told you. Right? I think we've all been there. And so once again, we see a statement from Jesus that doesn't require much parsing, doesn't require much interpretation. This is a straightforward teaching. If we call Jesus Lord, then he should have a position of authority in our lives. 
And if he does not, then can we really say that Jesus is Lord of our lives? Again, a very convicting question for us, and we do well to seriously consider these words of Jesus today. We, We need to stop and consider how we can conform our lives to this one that we call Lord and consider what he has commanded us to do. Now, I don't know how this convicts you, but I know where it goes for me. Am I letting Jesus and his holy word have the position of lordship in my life, or am I foolishly thinking I can be comfortable sitting as lord over Jesus and and lord over his word myself? Am I lord over Jesus, or am I lord over scripture? Or and, and am I that? Well, I'm not, obviously, but I can easily allow myself to sit over him in a position of authority. And it's a convicting thought. But how easily do we fall into that posture? It's very easy to do. And so Jesus gives us a clear illustration of what we do in our lives when we fall into that trap. If we hear the words of Jesus and we actually do them, then we're building a house with a firm foundation. It's dug deep. It's rooted in rock. As I've said so many times, this is easy to understand, but difficult to execute and live out in our lives. Because what Jesus is saying here is easy to understand, but hard to do. Look at what he says. They dug deep and set the foundation on the rock. That is an easy work. It's a lot easier to just put whatever you are building on whatever is there in front of you and get going. Digging down to get to the rock, to have a good foundation, is going to take a while. You're going to get dirty. And so if we are going to build our lives on the foundation of God's Word and the rock of the Lord Jesus, it's not going to be easy. There is no magic bullet. There is no simple path to faithfulness and holiness. To be someone who stands firm on the rock of Christ, we need to build that foundation So that when the storms come, we will not be shaken. But as with everything, in our quick fix, instant gratification culture, we want a rock-solid 40,000 square foot home without any work. You've heard me say before, though, holiness is hard. Faithfulness is difficult. But it starts with where you are today. Putting yourselves in a position to hear the word that the Holy Spirit might be at work in you to convict you of sin and to drive you to repentance. Building the foundation happens in the daily battles of standing firm when you're tempted. Because as difficult as the temptations that you and I face on a daily basis, those aren't the storms that shake the house. You need to have a strong foundation for the real storms and the real floods that eventually come in our lives. Our lives need to be well built on the foundation of God's Word and the truth of the Gospel because we know in a fallen world the storms and the floods are coming. And we see here that Jesus just doesn't stay positive with what he's talking about here, does he? He lets us know What happens when we do not build on his sure foundation? Jesus tells us of a house 
that was just built on the ground and it did not have a good foundation. The stream broke on that house and notice what Jesus says, it immediately fell. It didn't stand at all. This isn't, well, the house shook a little and we thought maybe it would stay. Maybe a little rain came through the roof. But generally those inside were safe. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He's saying the house falls. It falls immediately. And then these strong words of Jesus, the ruin of that house was great. We have no problem whatsoever whatsoever understanding that this would happen. We see the illustration that Jesus has here, and we know that the storms of life will be too much to bear for those who do not have a solid foundation. And so the question that we ask ourselves is how do we ensure that the house of our lives is not one that is of great ruin? And that is precisely where the application for us in this passage comes today. We've seen it along the way, but I want to close up with us dwelling further on this idea of building our lives on the foundation of Jesus Christ. We look at these two illustrations that Jesus gives us, and we want our lives to look like this. We want to bear good fruit. We want to be built on a sure foundation, don't we? Who doesn't want to be a tree that bears the good fruit? Who doesn't want to be unshaken when the storms and floods of life arrive? And so our application from this passage today is to build a strong foundation. And as I said, this is hard work. It won't come easy. But I have very, very good news for you. You're not alone in the process of building your house on a strong foundation. First, we know that God has done everything to bring you to himself. Jesus took on human flesh, he died, he rose again, and he ascended to make us a people for himself. And so he is not going to say, hey, I did all this for you, now you do your best. I'm watching from a distance to see how you do, I'll grade you later. That's not what's happening. You were not given the gift of faith to be abandoned and fend for yourself. You have the indwelling Holy Spirit at work in you. And just by being here today and praising God, confessing sin, hearing the word, you are doing that work, that hard work of building a strong foundation because the Holy Spirit uses the word of God that you hear in the songs that we sing, the scripture that we hear, the scripture that we recite, that is used in us by the Holy Spirit. Secondly, you're not alone in the construction project of your life and, the, and in the fruit-bearing process of your life. You're not alone because God has placed you in a family that is doing the same thing. Look around you. And you see other people who are hearing the word with you. They're encouraging one another. They're enduring hardships in the storms of life like you are. The process of building on the foundation of Christ it's not something that you do alone. It's part of being in the family of God together with those here gathered. And so part of the application that we see here is that we need to encourage one another in the faith. We need to build one another up. And while you don't do this alone, 
it is something that we have to be seeking after. The Spirit will be at work in you, but we can't passively assume that we will bear good fruit and have our life built on a good foundation. We have received God's grace and know that He has taken on the wrath of God for our sin and He has given us His perfect righteousness. But that does not lead us to live a passive life. We are called to holiness by the one who suffered and died to rescue us from sin, death, and hell. So may we seek to bear the fruit of holiness. May we seek to build our foundation on the rock. May we be going after these things. May we desire to live our lives in in this way. Because this is what our Lord has called us to do. May we call him Lord, Lord, and do what he says that our lives might bear good fruit, that we might be built on the rock so that when the storms come, our foundation is sure because Christ is our sure foundation. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast from Edgerton First Reformed. For more information on First Reformed, navigate to our website, edgertonfrc.org or our Facebook page.